Welcome to Off the Beaten Path, but not lost. With Tony, Kristen, Kylie, and Lexi. Join us on this RV full-time living journey. Across the beautiful United States. Where the fail was. Welcome to episode 74. In this episode, we'll be continuing our Class A RV experience. This one's going to talk about maintenance and safety tips for beginners. You can get the show notes for this episode at thefaolas.com slash 74. You can follow us at The Faolas on all the platforms. You can sign up for our newsletter on our homepage of our website or by going to thefaolas.com slash email. If you want to listen to the first episode of this series, it's thefailers.com slash 71. In that episode, we talk about driving tips for RV beginners, for Class A RV beginners. Yep. Also, the kids are sitting this one out. It's a little boring for them, so they decided they would uh, not, not be involved in this one. They haven't got to the maintaining stage yet. <laughs> All right, to start off this episode about safety and maintenance tips, let's talk about what you need to know before using your RV. And this is basic stuff. So if you're like an experienced person, this may not be the podcast for you. If you're <laughs> considering getting an RV, if you already, if you just got one or going to switch it up, do what I did. When we got our RV, I pretty much like went through the whole thing. I opened all the garages, all the doors, all the compartments. You know what I mean? Outside, I went through everything. Before in- putting anything in it. Yep. Inside, we went through everything just to see what we had. Try to figure out, like, all the switches and all the plugs. I know there was, like, a bunch in our RV. We're like, what even is this? So this is what happened. When we went, when you buy an, an RV from the dealership, like, we bought ours new, we had a scheduled walkthrough. And we went through with an RV tech. And he went through the whole RV with us. And it was probably, like, 30 minutes. You know what I mean? It was very quick. But we were so excited to, like, drive it off the lot. We're like, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, like, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Cool. Yep. <laughs> Yep, yep, next. Okay, cool. And then we get home and we're like, what did this button do? <laughs> well, there were some buttons that we still don't know. <laughs> I don't think what they do, like in the the media cabinet or something, you know, behind the TV. There's some switches and plugs mm-hmm. and stuff that we've never used. Open the hood or the engine compartment, depending on what style front end you have. Like ours, kind of like a drop-down grill to get to the some of the components under the what we call the hood. Like the windshield wiper fluid, the oil dipstick, all those things that you'll need to know down the road if you're going to maintain the thing yourself. Also, find your batteries. Your coach is going to have two different battery banks. It's going to have your chassis battery, which is used for like starting and things like that. It's going to have your house batteries, which powers all your 12-volt stuff inside. (laughs) Kind of charges them. (laughs) Kind of. I think our battery, we had two, right? Two? Or were yep. there three? And ours were, yeah, there was four. Technically, there was four. Three under the steps? There was four under the steps oh. and one under the hood. There was four? <laughs> yeah, there was four under there. And that's the thing. At first, I didn't even know where they were until maybe probably a year after we had it and decided I was going to check them <laughs> and didn't know where they were. So had to look that up and find them under the entryway stairs. And they were not very good. Well, they're not really, really good from the factory, but so once you find them, you can check the levels, check the charge, 
all that good stuff. Another thing you can do, if you see some important information, take a picture with your phone or even have an album, like label an album on your phone, RV stuff or whatever. That's what I have. You can take pictures of the 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 placard sticker that we have that has your gross vehicle weight, your gross combined weight, the tire size, the recommended tire pressure, which ours has, which you can adjust to your liking. But one thing that I use mine for, my album for, is when I'm doing oil changes on the the engine. Ours has a V10 gas engine. That and the generator, there's stickers on e- in each spot with the oil filter part number and the oil weight and all that stuff. Every single time I do that type of maintenance, I look back in my album and I find that stuff. There also might be a uh, sheet somewhere in your RV that has like colors, yep, uh, paint colors, you know the uh, the exterior cabinet colors, yep. yeah, the exter- you know the exterior paint colors, and take a picture of that. Yep, ours was located in our closet. We didn't even realize it was there for, for a while. I don't even know yeah. when we found that, but do we know where it is now? Because yeah, it's in the closet. Oh, it's still there. It's just a sticker in there. Okay. But that's handy in case you get a scratch or something. There's all the different paint paint codes and that kind of thing. You can get touch-up paints and all kinds of stuff. We have a website. I had a website with touch-up paint for our colors. Maybe we can link that if I remember what it was. Mm-hmm. So th- those are just some things that you might want to know before you get started. We use RV Trip Wizard, which is part of the RV Life suite. Yep. And they have a bunch of different things. One of the things that they have is called RV Life Maintenance which would also be really good for all of these things instead of just an album on your phone. In fact, also, we do have this, Tony, so feel free to use it. <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot about that. But it is handy if you're – if you because some people like to do like a little – like a book log or something like that, paper log. Of like um, all the repairs? Yep. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yep, of your maintenance and repairs and stuff. Um, I pretty much just keep track of it in my steel trap of a mind. <laughs> which means I just randomly do it two or three times throughout the year. And that RV life maintenance, I don't know if it's like a separate thing that you can buy or if it just comes with the program, Um, but you can do like scheduled maintenance in there. You can have like a little calendar. You can track expenses, uh, track key dates in a document, and track fuel economy right inside there. I think we should use that. I'm just not that that kind of like computer organized person. (laughs) So if, if you are, if you are like on your computer a lot and you like to keep track of records digitally like that, that's a really good option. But it ain't for me. (laughs) Maybe we should try it just to see. (laughs) All right, let's start with basic maintenance tips. All right. And we're going to start with RV stabilizers and leveling. Yep, our rig has almost all rigs out there if you're going if you're talking class A's motor coaches that kind of stuff you're going to have some form of electric or hydraulic leveling jacks and stabilizers on your stabilizers or your leveling jacks most of them are going to have some sort of grease fitting like mine has little grease zerks uh, where you can add a little bit of grease to those every once in a while and that helps keep the seals fresh and it cleans the jack so grease in those going to it's going to help them perform at their best Um, When they retract or when they extend, it's going to help them operate smoothly. Uh, Always inspect your jack pads when you have the chance. You know, you don't want one that's bent or cracked or maybe missing somehow. Yeah, we've seen some people that had missing ones. We watched a guy lose one. Oh, yeah, uh, in Washington. (laughs) Yep, 
went through like a low yeah. dip and ripped one right off. Just recently, I don't remember where we were, maybe somewhere in Arizona, but there was a, a fairly new Class A, and one of their rear jacks was bent really bad. I could see it. I didn't see it happen, but I could see that it was bent. So that can happen from dragging on like some sort of, uh, I was going to say obstacle, like when you're <laughs> rock crawling, but maybe for us. But we've actually hit, we've gone like through a parking lot and there was, there was like a drop off in our front, as the front tires dropped off of that, it was, it was bigger than I thought. The front jack pads kind of scraped on the cement. But it didn't ruin anything. Didn't hurt anything. Nope. So that's something to be aware of. If you have some sort of contact like that, be sure to inspect them as soon as you can. Another good thing to know is auto leveling versus manual leveling. We've come across so many different times where we pull into a spot and it's pretty level and you hit auto and then it just starts adjusting and stabilizing and leveling, but then it just keeps on going. It keeps on, <laughs> it'll adjust the back a little bit more, which means the front needs a little bit more adjustment <laughs> and it just keeps on going until it's like way high, way higher than I like it. I don't really like to get into the RV with a our extra step if I don't have to. The RV is more or it tries to be more perfect yeah. than you. It ends up fighting itself is what happens. So a lot of times if it's something very simple or, I mean, both ends of it, if it's something that's a little bit more of a complex leveling situation, I put it on manual. And that was a, a valuable thing. And there's so many different leveling jack um, systems out there. We have a lippert type system. You can do that easily with like a um, like a manual level. You can sit that you know, on your countertop or something, and then just kind of play around with, you know, each jack to make it more level. Tony does it and pretty darn good by sitting in the chair. I don't know how he does it because I'm like, <laughs> we're sideways. <laughs> and then another thing is when you're leveling, whether it's going to be an auto or manual, is to, if you're like on an off-camber or something like that, or a slope, use blocks. I use I use boards and kind of build them up under the tires wherever it, I think it needs it to kind of get it as level as possible before you even start the jack, the yeah, leveling jacks. Yeah, because you don't like it, and it should not, like, have tires off the ground. Right. So, uh, you know, if we're very uneven or it looks uneven, you'll put the boards under the jack that is probably going to be uneven yeah. just to help it out. So then when it starts coming down automatically, it will have a little bit better playing field. Yep, exactly. So that's one thing. Play around with the, the auto jacks, the manual settings see what it does get yourself a little arsenal of boards um there's a lot of like there's some jack pad options out there that help with the surface area of the 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 jack pad or foot but it doesn't give you really any extra height so sometimes you need that extra height maybe on one side or the other or the front or the back so that's just over the past few years we've accumulated about a half a dozen good boards to put under tires or jacks i remember when we were in um North Shore, we uh, we were there for, what, five months or something? Six, yeah. Six months. This was right before we went actual full-time. So we, we sold our house and everything and moved to Texas. This whole story is on our podcast. Definitely look for it for the information. Um, but we were there for about six months, and it was a very uneven spot yeah. that we liked because it was in, like, the back of the park. So yeah, it was of, up against the woods. Yeah. It was a concrete pad, but it was not level. It was a very steep slope from the back to the front so one of the guys gave you some big huge like patio blocks or they something? were no they were like 12 by 12 almost like beams mm -hmm. but that one that was interesting because we had to have four of those 
We had to put them under the jacks, lift the thing up, put them under the tires, and then re-level after it was, the front end was 12 inches off of the ground with these big blocks. (laughs) It was pretty crazy, but we didn't move the RV. We only moved the RV a handful of, uh, maybe two or three times in that six months. Mm Mm-hmm. But that helped it get level without trying to do too much with the jacks. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's talk about how to check the electricity at the campground. So when you're when you're plugging in at a campground, properly connecting the RV to electrical panel is important. One thing that you might want to do is have a multimeter. I'm not one to be able to teach you how to do that because I don't <laughs> really know. I had to look it up on YouTube to check what kind of current that you, you want from each leg of power. So you can use it at multimeter. Just look that up on YouTube and you can check each, basically where your prongs go into the outlet and see what kind of electricity you're having. If it's grounded properly, if it has a good enough uh, voltage, high enough voltage. A lot of people do that every single time. I don't. We actually have a built-in surge guard, surge protector and transfer switch. All that stuff is all incorporated into the RV. I have plugged into a couple places and it, it told me inside that there was a open ground or something like that. So it wouldn't actually, the transfer switch wouldn't actually switch over to the shore power. Was that like our security system? It's like a built-in surge protector. Was telling us that? Yep. So knowing the what voltage the pedestal is, is helpful if you don't have that type of surge protector or something. You can actually buy a surge protector that's like a standalone that you plug in and then plug your RV into. Those are very popular, like a... You definitely need something. So yep. if your RV doesn't already have one, which a lot of Class A's do, but um, if your RV doesn't already have one, I would definitely get that extra thing. Yep. And don't plug into something that's, like, super shady. Yeah, there's been a couple times we went to certain places and the plug is, like, loose or hanging out. I think maybe in <laughs> Fort Lauderdale, there was the plug was just dangling down onto the ground. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I called the maintenance and they came over and, like, I don't know, zip tied it up or something and reassured me that it was fine. So also travel with adapters. We have an adapter that goes from our 50 amp plug to a 30 amp. And we also have an additional one that goes from a 30 amp to 15 amp, which would be like your standard outlet, which we've used so many times when we are like mooch docking with friends or family. And we just need that little bit of power. It's, it's handy to have so that we can like plug into the garage wall outlet or something like that. Mm And we have one for each, right? Or yep. we have a couple different? Yep. Yeah, we have one for each scenario that might run into. And a lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, these parks, you you only have a 30-amp hookup, so you have to use that adapter. They call it a dog bone adapter. You might have heard that before. And some campgrounds don't allow you to use them either. So. Yep, we were at... Um, Lake Conroe, right? Lake Conroe, yep. They, if you have a 50-amp rig, they you must plug into a 50-amp pedestal. They and they charge you for it. And they charge you daily. <laughs> Always turn off the breaker at the pedestal, right? Yep. That's one thing I do before I plug in is I make sure the breaker is turned off. You don't want to plug it in when it's hot. So you turn that thing off, plug it in, and then you can switch your breaker back on. And you should do the same thing before unplugging it? Yep. Turn it off and then unplug. You'll have to show me how to do that. I'm pretty sure I've unplugged before without unplugging. I think you unplug everything without turning it off. Yes. (laughs) All right. Let's move into water hookups. So when you hook your hose up to a hose connection, they call that hooking up to city water or freshwater hookups. One one important thing is having a drinking water safe hose. I have filled up our freshwater tank with a regular garden hose, and we've had a garden hose smell. Like, that's an unmistakable smell. It reminds me of, like, 
you know, being an 80s kid, drinking out of the hose in the backyard, <laughs> brought back many memories when I was taking a shower and had like a garden hose smell to it. So drinking water safe hose, that's important if you're going to be using it for drinking water. Another thing, keep in mind, because if you're going from park to park, if you don't boondock a lot, campground water pressures can vary greatly. We've had water pressure so high that it created like little leaks in our RV. <laughs> I had to fix stuff. Um, We've so, had water pressure so strong that the bidet is a very interesting. Yeah, like a time laser beam. <laughs> it actually, when we were in, I don't know, maybe Bradenton, Florida or something, we hooked up in there and I just turned the water on and the water pressure was so high that it actually created a leak in the bidet. If you remember that, I, I mm-hmm. took, it, took it out, took it apart and had to fix it. So a pressure regulator, there's a lot of different pressure regulators. There's some that are just like a little brass fitting that you can screw on to the to your hose, you know, at the faucet or the spigot. And that's a set pressure, like a 30 PSI water pressure. And for us, we actually have one of those. Sometimes it can be too low pressure. Yeah, I think it's too low. There's adjustable pressure regulators. Some of them have like a little gauge where you can actually, if you have a screwdriver or Allen wrench, you can actually adjust the pressure to where you like it. You should also get a water filter. Yep. Some sort of water filter. You can buy the cheap ones like Camco or something like that. And you can get those at Walmart. They screw right onto the spigot between the water faucet and your hose and your RV. The only thing with those, those are just like, a, those aren't really meant to be like for filtering for drinking water. Yeah, they're just, they're just like a, you know, like a, like a particulate filter. So if there's any chunks of stuff, it doesn't get into your freshwater tank. So we actually have two. We have the one that came with the RV, and it's on the outside. We changed the filter on that one, and it's kind of like your well, basic. There's one in the water bay that is like a – it's an onboard filter system. Yeah, and so we use that for showers, washing our hands, all of that, and then we have our osmosis that we've talked to you many times about for drinking. Yep. So we have separate systems. Yep. Any water for cooking or, or drinking, we use that reverse osmosis water. All right, let's talk about sanitizing your RV freshwater system. So that's something that you can do yourself or you can have companies do. I know the company that cleaned out our, our wastewater tanks, they offer the freshwater tank sanitizing as well. It is a They do kind of a lengthy process. Um, there are many, many methods to do it yourself. If you, you get on YouTube or Google it, um, most of them use like some sort of chlorine or bleach to do it and you have to you know, flush your, your tank many times to get all that and flush through your whole system to get it all clean. You could do like a diluted bleach solution. Yep. So that's something that they recommend doing once or twice a year if you're using it a lot or if you have water sitting in it a lot. All right, we've talked electricity. We've talked water. Let's talk septic. So let's talk about the stinky slinky. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody likes doing it. But it's got to be done unless you have a button. There's people, actually, that, there's people that have buttons for their valves. Yeah. It's actually not that bad, to be honest. Like, when it's hooked up already, I mean, the bad part is hooking it up and unhooking it. Yeah. Or, like, doing it, you know, when we're driving between spots and you have to do it, like, if we've been boondocking for a while. Yeah. That's bad. Um, but when it's already hooked up, like, at a campground, I don't mind going out there and pulling the lever. I mean, yeah, that's not bad at all. You don't touch anything. Yeah. yeah. As long as you have a good connection. So, this there's many parts to this. So, make sure you have a good a hose in good condition. We travel with two good lengths of hose. I think we have a total of about, I want to say 20 or 24 feet of hose. And we've actually had to use it because, you know, campgrounds are all laid out different. Sometimes their sewer connection is 20 feet behind your rig and the water is halfway 
to the front of your rig and the power is up in the same spot. So always be ready to to be able to have to spread out like that. Like I said, and we've also, had to do. Yeah, and also make sure it's good. You you probably will have to get a new hose, what, yearly or every other year? I think um I think we usually go about maybe a year and a half, two years. We just had to replace one section of ours maybe last summer. I was dumping it like a public thing and it there was a, spraying a couple little holes in it. So I just had to throw it away right there and we ran to Walmart. That's the nice thing is most of these connections are pretty standard and you can just get those hoses at Walmarts or some of the tractor supplies or anything like that. Any place that carries like your regular RV accessories. Amazon and also has them. Amazon. They're relatively inexpensive. So another thing is with the, with the hoses, maybe you might need a couple extra fittings. Like sometimes you might need like a, a 90 degree fitting or an extension or something like that. They make all kinds of different things depending on how your, your valve is set up. Like ours goes straight down. And some campgrounds require a clear one or something or what? No, what is some it? campgrounds at the, at the hose end, like the dump end, they require a, some, tar- some sort of seal because not all sewer fittings are screw in, like where you can screw in your little hose end. Oh, some okay. of them require a gasket. Like we have a rubber gasket that you can shove in there and then shove your mm-hmm. the hose end into, and it's like nice and tight and, se- and sealed. So they don't require the clear one. You require the clear one. You like it's just handier when you're trying to clean out your tanks and stuff. Yeah, because I think the first one we ever had was white, and you could never really tell if we were like uh, sanitizing or doing like the um, the tank rinse. You could never tell if it was good or not. Yeah. So Speaking I prefer of- the clear one, even though it's a little grosser, but speaking of cleaning, you should also clean your tanks. Yep. What yearly? Once a year? I think they s- recommend like the clean tank service that we used. I think he recommended doing it maybe once a year. I think we could probably do it every once a month. Because <laughs> I thought you were gonna say once every other year. <laughs> because because our uh our tank sensors never work properly. They mm-hmm. did after we had it cleaned and then several months down the road we started boondocking a lot, not dumping as regularly. And then they quit working again. Another thing that I learned from the clean tank guy, Brian, is uh, to grease the inside, the fitting. If you have some sort of silicone grease or even Vaseline or anything, put your little rubber glove on and get some of that grease and grease the O-ring or the the seal that's there where your hose connections are. And that'll help prevent leaks. And it's easier to take them apart when you need to as well. Sometimes your rig, along with the electric, will have propane. Ours has an onboard propane tank. Yeah, in our case, we use propane for our water heater when we're not hooked up to electricity, and we use it for our furnaces. So you should fill these at designated filling centers, and you should get out of your RV. The entire family should get out. In their pajamas. (laughs) In their pajamas. Usually when we're in need of propane, I'll use um, a couple different apps Use iOverlander. They're usually pretty handy when it comes to finding propane stations. If you have smaller tanks, sometimes you can have them just exchanged, you know, at the Blue Rhino things, usually more expensive, and you get less propane for that in the tank when they have them pre-filled. We've used Tractor Supply a lot of times because they're nationwide. Not all have propane setups, so you have to – sometimes I've I've had to call to see if they did. Costco. We've used Costco. And they're really good price normally. They're usually the best price out of all of them. But, again, not all Costco stores carry propane. Something interesting, we just filled up 
and I think it was the last time we filled up. It was in New Mexico, yeah. Yeah, the last time we filled up in New Mexico, and they made all of us get out of the RV. And we hadn't, like, taken showers or anything in, like, three or four days because we were boondocking, and we needed propane for... It was early in the morning. Everybody was in pajamas except for me. (laughs) Yes. And he's like, everyone has to get out. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) And, like, that's new, but supposedly it's some sort of rule in New Mexico or in... Carl's bad. Who knows? It's probably a safe thing to do, to be honest. He didn't make us take our dogs out, though. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just the people. But another thing with that is know your tank size and know the tank age, because I've actually had them ask me how old the tank was or if I knew how old it was, which for us, it wasn't that big of a deal because it, our whole rig is just five years old. So we'll have to get that re- replaced eventually. Eventually, if we're on the road long enough. Hmm. I don't know what the age limit is, maybe 10 or 12 years, but I know that, you know, in in the past even, I've had little propane tanks that I've had to exchange because the valve was out of date. Just make sure your tank's in good condition. So you know how to hide it. So, yeah, paint over the rust. All right, let's move into driving and towing. One of the big things for maintenance on, like, your towing setup could be your tow bar. Make sure all the, the pins are in good shape, the pins that hold the the tow bar into the hitch receiver. Make sure the hitch itself is good. Make sure there's no cracks or if it's starting to rust, you want to make sure that all that stuff is in safe condition. Make sure the lights on the back of your Jeep are working. Yep, all your wiring connections. you. <laughs> yeah. All the wiring connections are, are good and sturdy. We've had, um, I don't know, a couple of years ago, our thing came unplugged and was dragging on the ground for who knows how many miles, and it was like... <laughs> It was just a couple little wires dangling by the time we stopped or by the time somebody told us. It was a magnetic one, right? Yeah. It and was it had the, fallen off. Yeah. Yeah, it was before we had, I think it was with the Tahoe maybe. No, when we first got the Jeep, we didn't have the wiring harness. We didn't, oh. I didn't install that yet. So we had these magnetic brake lights and turn signal lights that we just stuck on the back. And at some point, one of them fell off because of maybe a bump or something. But we drug it for several miles before somebody told us. And that was completely gone. It was just a wire. So make sure all the, the wiring's in good shape. Make sure your tow bar's in good shape. Your tow bar bracket, if you have one installed on the front of your vehicle. Like we had our tow bar, we replaced ours about six months ago. And I guess I didn't realize how worn my previous setup was. It was compared to the new tow bar, which was a, it wasn't brand new. I bought it used off of somebody off Facebook Marketplace. But it was like, like new condition and every connection and every every pivot point and everything is very tight so it's like very little use where i compared it to my old one and all the all the um connecting points were kind of sloppy so i was glad to get rid of that and i could tell a difference when we were towing with it as well all right your favorite subject tire safety tires yeah so one thing i always have in every vehicle is a tire gauge and for our rv we have to have a special tire gauge because the tire pressure is so much higher than, like, say, the Jeep or, you know, any other vehicle you might tow behind it. So we have a high-pressure manual tire gauge. It's a nicer one. It's the one that you might find, like, a semi-truck driver using. It's all metal. And I think it goes up to, like, 200 PSI. So that's a, that's essential. You have to have one of those to maintain your tire pressure properly. And optionally, you can have a monitoring system, right? Yep, tire pressure monitors. Typically for our RVs, they're a screw-on style, so they would go on, they would replace like the valve cap, screw on to the 
the end of the valve, and then you have a receiver. They're a little transmitter. Then you have a receiver inside the RV, which can tell you many different things. There's so many different setups out there. Some of them are kind of low tech, but you know, simple to use. Some of them are very high tech and they give you tire pressure and tire temperature and all that extra stuff. So you would need one for each tire, correct? Correct. And you can get them with, you can get systems that include your tow vehicle as well. Oh. So for us, we have six on the RV and then four, maybe five for the Jeep. If you want to put one on the spare. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> but, so 10, we would need 10 if we wanted to do our whole setup. So one thing to do is inspect the condition of the tires, the rubber, the tread, the sidewalls, look for cracking, anything like that that might cause a safety issue. Look at the rims, look for any scuffs or cracks. Sometimes you can, if you hit a good enough pothole or whatever, sometimes your tire can have a bulge on it from that, from some sort of hard impact, or it can affect or bend or crack your rim as well. And if you're staying in one spot, maybe protect your tires from the sun. So yep. when get we, like covers. When we're stationary for more than a couple weeks, I'll throw the tire covers on. I know some people say that you don't really have to if you're traveling a lot. It doesn't matter. I still, I know the sun does severe damage to rubber. So I just like to do what I can. Because the tires for our rig is, are very expensive. Yes. Another thing, depending on the setup that you have, you may want to check the bearings. You can grease bearings on certain rigs. Another very important maintenance tip that you should have is knowing your RV electrical systems. Yep, one simple thing is know your cord length. That way when you get to a campground, you kind of have an idea where and where you can and can't park, how far away from your pedestal. Also, inspect the condition of your power cord. Most of them are are very thick, heavy, like a 50, our 50 amp cord is very thick and it has an outer protective sheathing. And then the wires inside are also covered and protected. But if something happens, you know, if you're plugged in somewhere and the campground maintenance guy is weed whacking or mowing or something and maybe clips that, you don't want an exposed wire or something. Maybe you go and grab it and while well, it's still hooked up or to move it or something. That's not, that's, that'll ruin your day really quick. <laughs> so. Also, you know, you don't want any type of electrical fire or chances of that. So that's something to pay attention to is the condition of your cord. Another thing on the inside of the rig, find your breaker panel or your service panel. Or all of the panels because you probably and have multiple <laughs> different spots. <laughs> well, some of them have your breakers and your 12-volt fuses in the same panel where ours are separate. Our main breakers are in, say, the kitchen area where the 12-volt little fuses, like mini fuses, colored ones, are in the half bath in its, in its own little section. So if you have any type of 12-volt issue, lighting issues or water pumps or anything like that, and you have power issues with it, you'll be able to kind of track that down easier. What about that transfer switch? Make sure the transfer switch is waterproofed. <laughs> this is a good fix to do before the problem happens. Yeah. So we're, we're warning you ahead of time. Go out and waterproof your transfer switch <laughs> if it's underneath your shower. In most cases, I don't think that's a problem. In our case, you know, <laughs> Murphy's Law, it was bound to happen. Yep. Just one good thing to know where it's at. And so what is a transfer switch? Really the, quick. The transfer switch is it's like a little box with some relays in it that can switch from shore power to, say, onboard generator power if we're not hooked up to the 
to a campground power or plugged in somewhere, if we're running off our batteries and start our generator, it'll actually kick that on, and then that's where the power is going to come from. It's from our generator. So if that goes bad, it could be very bad. Yep. <laughs> yep. Something. Yeah, we've woke up to that before. Also, get to know your generator. Know where it's at, what kind of parts you need for maintenance. I try to... Oil changes. When I do an oil change, I try to buy two filters, keep one on hand. The oil is very standard oil. I think we use 30 weight or something like that for us, but it can vary with temperature too. So there's a temperature range and different viscosities of oil that you can use for that. And ours says right on it, right on the cover. And the air filters, those are a special... Ours is a Cummins Onan generator. And it has a special air filter that we have to order. But I, all these parts, most of these parts I get on either on Amazon or at a local parts store. Like, I think I've got stuff at Napa and O'Reilly's and AutoZone. If they, if they don't have it in stock, they can definitely get it. And I've never really had to wait more than like a day for any of those parts. Also, if you have solar, make sure you understand your solar and the inverters and all of the, the pieces that go along with that. That's why it was really good that I, I recommended that you set it up. One, I wanted to save the money. Yeah. <laughs> but two, I knew that if you were setting it up, you would understand it the best. And so, like, if we needed, you know, if something stopped working, you could kind of figure that out. Yep. And I, I'm glad that I did it. Not to mention, I like doing that stuff. It's just kind of stressful researching it, getting all the parts together, and then actually doing it. You know, for me, it was tearing apart our whole RV electrical system to put in a new inverter. Because our rig did come with an inverter from the factory, but it only powered the fridge and maybe two outlets, and that was it. And then half, and the, with our battery setup that came with it, it only lasted about three hours. And we did this in 85, 90-degree weather in Florida. Yeah. So And it broke. Yeah. <laughs> and we had some troubleshooting to do over the next couple days. <laughs> so that was fun. So, yeah, just, just get to know that stuff, know where it is, know what kind of equipment you have, and that'll be helpful if you ever do run into any snags. In our last episode, we talked about weight management, but I just wanted to briefly talk about it here too, just so it's all in the same spot for maintenance. Yeah, an important thing for vehicle handling and stuff is weight, proper weight distribution, having the weight balanced from the front to the rear and the side to the side. And when you get weighed, like at a Catscale, it'll tell you that, right? It'll tell you what side is heavier or whatever. Yep, we've rolled through cat scales, and it pretty much told us that all of our sides were heavy. That's when we decided we, it was time to purge, time to get a new vehicle. And then we just decided never to weigh, weigh ourselves yep. again. <laughs> One way to avoid being overweight is to never weigh your vehicle. <laughs> Roof maintenance, that's a big one. Next, a very important one, if you don't want to get rained on, roof maintenance. Yep, especially if you... If you're a full-time traveler, more than likely you're spending your winters down south in hot and sunny climates. And that's probably the worst thing. If you have like a rubber roof, the sun will annihilate that stuff over just for sitting just over a couple years. And so, if you're an RVer, then more than likely you're always in the sun because that's the best thing about this life. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one thing. Get on the roof every once in a while. Look at those seals. Look at where the... All the caulking is, look for cracks, look for tears. You know, if you've gone through low branches or something, those things can possibly tear a seal. If you have a rubber roof, you might have a, a tear in the rubber roof. There's quick fixes and then there's major fixes. There's a lot of new products out like RV, like roof armor or something like that. That's not something that we've had any experience with, but it's I know that it's gaining popularity. We have used the Dicor sealant. We've used Eternabond tape to fix small little things. We actually had a a hole drilled in our roof through some, some wires. Crazy person. Had to have that fixed. And the hole was small enough to fix with Eternabond tape and 
Dicor. And it's been leak-free since. So those are good things to have on hand at all times. You should also clean your roof. Yep. And if you're and... going if, if to power wash it, don't get too close with the power washer because that can create tears. You should also make sure your slide covers are clean. If you have slide covers underneath, there's nothing like underneath that needs to be cleaned. And then if you don't have slide covers, making sure your slides are clean before you close those slides. Yep. On our rig, we actually have some slide covers and some without slide covers. Two for three. <laughs> Two for three. So tell us a little bit about slide cover maintenance. Well, they're easy to maintain if they're not there. <laughs> We've actually had one ripped off by wi severe wind in Wyoming. So, so here, let me, let me just say something really quick. Some of these problems that we've had, and if you've listened to our podcast, you know, we have a lot of problems, but there is an amazing memory attached to almost every single one of them. When our water pump broke, that was a cool spot where we actually ended up having to get a campground over my budget, and you had to drive across a mountain to get the piece. Like, yeah. there's a lot of cool memories. When our slide cover flew off our RV, and like, you had to go down and you had to wrap run it back, up. Run down the road and get the... Get the spring and the um, the bar. Yeah. We were camping with wild horses. So, yep. I mean, those are memories that are attached to these things. So, it makes it, like, good. Like, a good feeling <laughs> instead of a sad moment. <laughs> yeah. And we have replaced the slide topper material on the other two because they just, over time, they flap a little bit and they rip. So, we actually got um, new slide toppers. I measured them and ordered it off of... I don't know what it was called, Tough Top or something like that. We can link it, though. And uh, I just installed it myself. It was a little bit of a pain in the butt, but I did it myself in my family member's driveway. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. All right, speaking of slide covers, let's talk about slide maintenance. Yep, an important thing to do with the slide seals is to keep them lubricated. They make special products to put on your slide seals and all that stuff. There's like usually like a three-in-one. There's... Um, slide lubricant, slide conditioner, those types of things. You'd already mentioned before you put your slides in, if you're somewhere with, like, for us, we were staying somewhere where there's a lot of oak trees right over top of us. We had acorns and twigs and leaves all over the slide without the slide cover. I had to get up there with a broom and just kind of sweep everything off, swept the roof off, made sure there wasn't anything on the other side underneath the slide covers. Another important thing to do with your slides is make sure that there's not too much weight on them. Yep. Especially when you're pulling them in and putting them out. Yep. Yeah, if you notice your slide, if, you bring, if you're bring if you bringing a slide in or putting it out and it's, it's tilting or rocking more than it seems like it should, you may be overweight on that slide. And you should definitely get that fixed right away before your gears go bad and then you have to get out and push it. Exactly. We've <laughs> seen a lot of people that push slides in at campgrounds. Including us. <laughs> Oh, wait, that's us. <laughs> just a little. Just a little nudge, and it'll go in. You should also know how big they are, right? Yeah, like how far out they go, the slide depth. Um, we've pulled into places before, and, you know, I've got in the perfect spot and went to put my slide out, and I was watching in my mirror, and I'm like, oh, it's going to get close to that pedestal or that whatever that is, that tree. And I'm like, just keep going, keep going, and then I have to stop it. Because it's almost making contact, but the slide's not all the way out. So so yeah. then you have to break back down, move the RV over, and then get back into your, find your sweet spot and then put the slide back out. So you can measure those ahead of time and then 
then back into your spot and then measure to see if it's going to fit or not. Most yep. of the time you eyeball it and most of the time you're right. We've only had to move a couple times. Yep. I've done the... Um, if you're nervous, you can always have somebody out watching when you're opening the slide. I've done the arm the arm measurement before. Yeah. <laughs> stick my arm out and point to a certain spot. Some of those campgrounds are super tight. Yep. All right, let's talk about all of those appliances inside your RV that will go bad if you don't maintenance them properly. <laughs> or if you do maintenance them properly. Yeah, stuff still breaks. The first one and probably the most important one because they get dirty really fast is the air conditioners. Yep. Most of these are going to be a similar style. They're going to have like an internal in-cabin filter system. Like ours has a little cover and then you pull that cover off and then it has a a very thin dust filter. Those things accumulate stuff fast. Uh So we're constantly cleaning those things. Now something you can do less regular than the inside filters is the outside cleaning the coils on the outside. You got to take the cover off. There's special foam that you can buy cleaning foam. And most of it's, they claim is like waterless. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who will take a little spray bottle and they'll clean it with the foam and then they'll just kind of mist it and then clean it up. And then there's little tools that you can do to straighten out the the metal coil part if there's little dings and stuff in there because you want the air to flow as efficient as possible. So if you're in dusty areas a lot, that's something that you should do a little bit more frequent. There's also some really cool things. Maybe we'll link um, a a couple of the videos that we found where you can make them more efficient with... Foam and tape. Foam and tape, yeah, adding in to the inside. Because it's divided in half um, where it brings in hot air and then pushes out the cold air after it goes through the stuff up there. Yeah, it's basically like the (laughs) intake side where it pulls in the cabin air. Mm -hmm. And there's the fan side that blows out the cooled air. Yeah, Andy's having a heart attack right now with my description. But But yeah, there's um, some cool like hacks that you can do to make them more efficient. And there's inserts that you can buy, like preformed. They're just a lot more expensive. If you don't, if you don't mind doing some DIY project type things there and spending half a day maybe fix, fixing it up, it's probably worth it. Mm-hmm. The other day we were somewhere. I don't know where we were, but we were boondocking and it was like 85, 90 degrees, and I was so mad. I was like running through the house trying to get all of the things to work. None of them would work. Finally, we're laying in bed and I'm like huffing and puffing. And Tony was like do you want me to go look for, cause I was like, do you have, cause I was like on YouTube looking for the, for hacks and I found these hacks and I was like, do you have this RV or this tape? What is this tape? Foil called? tape. Yeah. It's like, do you have this foil tape? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, are you sure? And you're like, it's like midnight or something. We're in bed. And he's like, do you want me to go look for it right now? Like, yes. Like actually. she would have me go outside and get it and come in and, <laughs> tape up the inside of the air, or the air conditioner. I'm like, do you mind? <laughs> it is something I want to do. When we get settled in in Michigan and we start doing some renovations, that's definitely one thing that I want to do is to try to make our air conditioners more efficient. And if, they, if it works, we'll let you know. Yeah. All right, the next thing we should talk about is the furnace. Yep, our furnaces, they don't have any type of filter system. One thing that we've had to do is clean the ducts where they blow out into the RV. They seem to collect dust because they're all, they're not, they're not in the floor facing up. They're basically in our cupboards blowing across the floor. For some reason, they just collect dust and dog hair and all that stuff. So we're constantly vacuuming those things out. I've taken the grates off, you know, just a couple screws, gotten a rag and cleaned all that stuff out of there before. 
But that's the biggest thing is trying to keep the dust down. So when you turn your furnace on, you don't get a face full of dust and germs and hair. Okay, water heater. There are some water heaters out there that have an anode rod that you can change. It's kind of like a house water heater where you can undo the screw and pull out that long rod that's covered in like minerals and stuff over time. Some, like ours, do not have that. Ours is just a, I don't know if it's an aluminum tank or something like that already, or glass tank or whatever it is, but ours does not have the anode rod. So ours, you can just unscrew the drain screw, shove a hose in or like a small water pick type thing, and just spray it out and get some of that sediment out of there. So that's one one important thing to know what type of water heater you have. That way you can know what the things that you need to maintain. And they usually have like the part number, the manufacturer, the serial number, all that stuff will be right on a tag on your water heater that we can take a photo, Google it, take a photo and Google it, take a photo and put it in your album (laughs) refrigerator. Now, I think this is we should point out here that we're giving you maintenance tips on a residential refrigerator because uh, that's what we have. We don't have an RV refrigerator, which a lot of places or a lot of rigs have yeah that sometimes they have a electric and propane set up uh, we don't have that our refrigerator is pretty maintenance free just cleaning it every once in a while we've had to fix the ice maker before we had to buy a new part for that mm-hmm. other than that it's been pretty maintenance free but if you have an rv one you'll have to google that because we don't have one and i know there's like a lot of times you'll have to thaw them out because they you know build up or yeah, whatever so defrost mm-hmm. them and stuff yeah so rv oven Stove maintenance. We actually got rid of the RV oven. We never used it, so we got rid of ours, and we have an induction uh, stove that we put in. Yep. Yeah, we got rid of the the propane setup, capped that off, and made sure it wasn't leaking. Just went to all electric that because we already had the battery bank installed, and I I don't think we had the solar yet, but we were planning on doing the solar sometime soon after that. So that was a handy addition. It's very easy to do if you wanted to convert over to electric instead of having to worry about having propane to be able to cook on that stovetop. But if you do, just make sure all your connections are good. You're, you're every once in a while, periodically check the propane connection. And ours did have an electrical connection for the igniter because it was electric and igniter. This is not really uh, appliances, but I did want to put this in here just because I don't want to forget. Um, toilets. Both toilets need to be maintained. They need to be like re-lubricated cleaned regularly mm-hmm. once in a while you might have to re-lubricate the seal on um, both you, you right? can use silicone grease yeah we have a gravity toilet and we have a vacuum flush toilet and both of those we've changed seals in we've changed toilets in the, the gravity one twice <laughs> uh we've replaced a seal in that one one time i actually have an extra seal left over from one of them and then the one that's the vacuum flush uh that one has a seal that you can replace and we We'll link in the show notes the one that we recommend. We've tried multiple, and this last one was better, and that's because... It's a factory seal. And it ha- what does it have? Teflon-coated. Yeah. It's right from Dometic, yeah. So, and we got it from a really cool guy. We'll link him. He's super cool. Very helpful yep. if you have any questions with your vacuum flush. <laughs> he yep. can help you with them. Great YouTube series about him, about maintaining and repairing and all that stuff. I've rebuilt the pump on that thing several times. Mm-hmm. Um, cleaned it out. I've had clogs. I've done it all. Yeah. So that's a whole different podcast too. I think we've talked about that one, but, and then finally in this kind of area, water pump maintenance. 
there's not a whole lot that you can do to maintain the pump other than um, filtering the water that comes before it. So whether it's water that goes into your freshwater tank or your city water connection, it can't have like granules of sand or, mm-hmm. you know, calcium deposits and stuff going through it because it'll it'll tear it up. We have had to replace a pump. I think we had to replace ours because it ran too much. There was a, yeah. there was a, some sort of flaw with one, the switch on it. They're not too bad to replace, right? Nope. As long as they're not hidden. You know, ours was when I, the first time I replaced it, it was kind of in an awkward spot. It was kind of hidden up behind a panel. So when I replaced that, I brought it down about six inches so that it was easier to get to. Which makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I, <laughs> I figured, um, eventually I was going to have to go through that again. So. All right. Finally, winterizing. What's that? Exactly. Let's move on. <laughs> Safety tips. <laughs> All right, so we're just going to talk about the very, very basics of safety tips. We're not going to get into uh, personal safety, like uh, personal protection, personal protection, and stuff like that. That's a whole different podcast. This is just things you can do or add to your RV for protection. So safety for the RV itself. First of all, you need to have your um, fire safety, your propane alarms, carbon monoxide detector smoke detector yeah all of those things yep we have several fire extinguishers in the rv we also have one in the jeep something that we want to add soon to our arsenal is fire blankets lexi does lexi learned about fire blankets in one of her school things and now she insists (laughs) that we get one so we have i think we even have them added in the amazon cart or, or the wish list or something so, but I, we watch videos on them and they look really cool and you can, they're smaller than a fire extinguisher. So they're handy to put in more convenient spots. And you still should have multiple different fire extinguishers. Yep. Um, we have them like in the front of the RV, in the back of the RV. We have them in the Jeep. We have one outside because what happens if something happens outside? Um, so definitely have multiple locations for those. And then make sure all of your alarms that I just mentioned have the correct stuff in it. <laughs> like the batteries batteries, or whatever this one had. What did this one need? The, this one, well, some of them age out too. Like our oh. um, carbon monoxide detector in our bedroom that was factory installed. It had like a, I want to say a five-year limit. So it, it turned, it, it beeped a bunch and it turned itself off and never turned back on. Yeah, so we and had it, to put it in. It did have an expiration on it, and I believe our propane detector did as well. Yep. Next, if you want, like, extra protection on the outside, you can do motion lights and cameras. We have both. Yep. Actually, do we have motion lights? We have a motion light that uh, we can stick in the ground. Oh, we yeah. Don't have, we don't have one stuck on the RV. Yet. Some people do. I, like, I've seen them all the time. You can buy, like, a solar motion light, and it sticks right onto the side of the RV. Well, there's also the one that we found at the yep. Quartzite RV show that yep. we are going to get. That actually. one's wired in. Yep. Mm-hmm. So those are handy, especially if you're if you're you know solo traveler, or if you're more concerned about safety. And then the cameras are very important. We actually have multiple cameras on both sides of our RV, and then they hook into a system that records. Yeah, it's a DVR system. And it is not Wi-Fi or anything like that. So it, it always works. It doesn't matter if we have coverage or service or anything. It's not like a ring system or something like that. It's a different system that actually hooks into a DVR and records for us. And uh, we've actually caught people stealing bikes yeah, on those things. And we can share with police. So we've also caught some like hilarious moments outside of RV. <laughs> yep. But those are very inexpensive. I'll try to find the one that we have on Amazon and link it. You can get them wireless. They do need a plug 
like a power source, but um, but they're wireless, so they they don't have cords running back to the system. Yep. Uh, but we have two in the front and some in the back. Two in the back. Mm-hmm. And then finally, one other thing we recommend is having those, you know, those water check things. You can put them in different bays. Yeah, like moisture sensors. Yeah, moisture sensors that will let you know um, if you have a leak. You can put them under your sink. I mean, you should probably put those in your house as well. Yep. <laughs> so if you if you don't have an RV, they're helpful for... Especially both. in an RV because water damage can happen very easily in an RV compared to like a house. Yeah, we should have had one on our transfer switch. Yep. <laughs> But those are those are pretty inexpensive. You can get them with the systems, like the Ring system has one. I think Wise has one as well. Yep. Well, cool. I think that's going to wrap up some of our basic maintenance and safety tips. Some of the stuff that we go through all the time, things that we check all the time. So by investing time and effort into understanding the RV systems, you'll be better equipped to handle any issues that might come up. So regular inspections, proper care of the essential components, attention to detail that can ensure your RV remains reliable and safe for as long as you're on the road. All right. That's a wrap for this episode next week. I think we're bringing you Carlsbad. All right. Again, if you need any of the show notes in this episode, we'll try to link some of the the YouTube videos that we mentioned as well. Um, It's going to be the slash 74. And if you can think of any basic maintenance or safety tips that we may have left off the list that you do that we haven't mentioned, give us a call at 810-373-2020. You can leave a message, ask a question, leave a tip. Tell us us we're doing awesome. Tell us we suck, whatever. Yeah. Or you can let us know a tip that we didn't add in here and we can add it to the next one. Yep. All right. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Sign up for our new new newsletter new newsletter new newsletter <laughs> all right to start off you can still still hear her panting i can't hear <laughs> okay good uh, let me get all my yarns out have a drink of water or something gosh babe it's nine o'clock in that episode you're gonna put that on no. while i'm talking <laughs> <laughs> no. i think I you're gonna have to shut that window it's not me breathing in this microphone. So when you listen to it, be like, gosh, Kristen, you were breathing in the microphone. It wasn't me breathing. Another thing that our rig has is... Um, uh, oh, that says RV fire safety. I thought it said RV tire safety. So I put a bunch of tire <laughs> I know, I stuff like, there. Why does he have that? All right. Well, that'll do it. This is like, I'm very awkward on the phone trying to let people go too. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Hey, love you. Bye. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye.